Good afternoon and welcome to another beautiful, simply scrumptious episode of How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And y'all gonna y'all can already hear it. I'm gonna full disclaimer, sinuses. I sound like a dude, so I can't give you everything I normally give you. But I'm going to give you what I got. Right, George? We're going to give it to you. Raw and uncut. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like we always do. <laughs> the show, like they say, the show must go the on. The show must go on. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Well, Georgia, what is our show today? Back Door to Heaven from 1939 was one of the greatest years for Hollywood. Now, I know y'all are saying, what in the world is backdoor to heaven? And I would have been right along with you several months ago. But uh, Georgia, as you all know, is our head of our two-woman research department, meaning that she's the one who does all the research. <laughs> um, and I'm the head of the archive department. Meaning that I find most of the movies okay, but um, and I I would have been like, what in the world is Backdoor to Heaven? So saw it on YouTube for free, and I don't know, George. I just uh, I, well, I'm a, for those of you who've been listening to us, and shout out to you who've been um listening to us faithfully for these pa past couple of years. Thank you so much. We 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 just can't do it without you. You are a reason for being a reason d'etre, as they say in French. I know I screwed that up. But uh, thank you so much and all your support on our Facebook page, How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. We named it that because, as you will see with this movie, most of the movies that we um, do have a lot of life lessons in them. But uh, we're also on YouTube at the same name, How Betty Davis Saved My Life. And um, life lessons from classic Hollywood. I don't think I could fit all that in the YouTube, but it's how <laughs> Betty Davis saved my life. So thank you guys. Especially a shout out to um, the people in Savannah, Georgia. And we, Georgia, we forgot because um, by the time that this movie drops, um, our Gone with the Wind will have already dropped. And how could we not give a shout out to our, our fans, our biggest listening audience in Savannah, Georgia? So. Shout out to you guys, and Yay! we're so grateful to you. So uh, we dedicate retroactively the Gone with the Wind episode to our biggest fan base in Savannah, Georgia. Now, Georgia, now the Georgia, tell us what is our movie today. It, we have Backdoor to Heaven, and this is one of those movies that I would describe as, in many ways, an old-fashioned melodrama. You have... It, it, it's a very grim but powerful drama that you're going to see. Some would consider a movie, and but but it has characters that are full of depth and feeling. And I I gotta warn you, you're gonna need a box of hankies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Wow, the ending packs a wallop, which we're not going to tell you. But anyway, right? Um, this movie was actually filmed. 
on Long Island. Okay. In New York. <laughs> Apologies to our New York uh, listeners for <laughs> me and my New York accent. But anyway. Um, <laughs> That's what that was. I didn't know what you were doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <I> was... <laughs> yeah, that was my attempt at <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, we apologize. <laughs> yeah, I apologize already. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But this movie has, you know, I mean, to me, Moy, I'm just going to jump right in. I mean, it's got some kind of odd moments, but also some very heartbreaking ones. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I had already seen it, obviously, and Georgia had not seen it. And we, I was like, Georgia, let's not talk about it. I really want to just get her, her full, um, just thinking and sentiment and reaction if, if you know, even though we're not doing it live. But, uh, Georgia, just, just set up the story and then we'll get right into sure. what it's about. Yeah, okay. Well, this follows the central character, you know, from his boyhood through adulthood. You know, he's in reform school. He's been out of prison. And uh, so we see this this poor boy. He's very well liked he's good hearted and um he he grows up he's from the wrong side of the tracks and he has a teacher and a classmate who uh think he's a good guy and they believe in him and they think he's a good friend but frankie is unlucky and you find yourself pulling for him and hoping luck changes and that he gets the break he deserves. Mm-hmm. Right. And we um we're kind of leaving <clears throat> just a little bit out. And we apologize for the audio. We're having trouble with our audio today. But again, it stars Wallace Ford, Van Heflin. Van Heflin had to be one of his earliest movies. And for those of you who don't know, and Georgia didn't know, she's like, I'm not really familiar with a lot of his stuff. You know, Shane. Of course, Shane, um, 310 to Yuma, one of my favorite Westerns of all time. He and Glenn Ford, they redid it with um, a couple of years ago with, uh, oh gosh, Ed Harris. And I can't remember the other guy's name. But anyway, um, Van Heflin, very unsung, underrated um, actor, um, but top-notch actor, A-lister for his time. Um, he was super young. And some other people don't really know. Aileen McMahon, she was huge in the 30s. Um, another unsung actress wonderful actress play as a teacher um so yeah like georgia was saying wallace ford y'all know i'm a huge fan plays frankie rogers and they show him from a little boy so like georgia let's let's unpack frankie's life so little frankie rogers in a small town he's from the wrong side of tracks Tell us about his childhood, because we, we want to kind of walk you through Backdoor to Heaven a little bit. So what what went on in his childhood, Georgia? Well, he comes from a home where there's not only obvious poverty, but his father is a heavy drinker, and he is abusive. And, you know, the mother tries her best, but eventually, you know, the, the life with his husband takes its toll on her and uh you know 
it, there's just a really sad part of the movie where, it's, you know, Frank has to go back and visit his mom. And I'm not going to ruin that for you, but it's just very, very heartrending and beautifully done. Um, and so, you know, he starts out with thinking, not much confidence in him, but the thing about this character is, even as a kid, and into adulthood, he's so cool. He's someone you'd want to hang out with. Right. Yeah. And you know, he's very, he's so calm and he's unruffled. Even you know, when he is up against all kinds of opposition and bad things happening, you know, he just kind of takes it in stride. But you know, he does make some bad decisions, and he he so does not want to let down his teacher, and he does something in the movie that kind of leads to just like a domino effect in his life yes yes and ellie mcmahon plays the teacher the teacher is so well revered in um this movie and we we talked about when we did the coroner's green with betty davis these teachers are dinosaurs these teachers don't they, and and if you see them the day they are unicorn because they don't exist anymore where they their lives were totally she was an old maid her whole life was dedicated to her children, her students who were like her children. And she checked on them. And like I said, it was a small town. Everybody knew everybody. And if something happened to her kids, it was like it was happening to her. It was genuine love. There was no agendas or no mo or, or hidden motives. All this woman wanted to do was educate children and pour into their lives with nothing, expecting nothing in return. The only payoff was their success. And Georgia, I'm glad you laid that out beautifully. Um, so this this guy, you know, to put quote a quote a term, was almost born to lose. And fast forward, he makes a wrong decision. He winds up in juvenile detention. Um, something so you know innocent. He wasn't a bad kid. And that's another thing, Georgia. He was not a bad kid. He wasn't a rebellious kid. P horrible circumstances in his life. Poor home life like you said abuse and trauma he made it he knew he shouldn't have been doing this but he wanted to just try to like you said impress his teacher and impress his peers which is another key component in this movie this seemingly little like you say b-list movie is so powerful and for those of us who you can see yourself in this. You're going to see, like we were talking about some other movies like Gone with the Wind. You're going to see yourself. I don't know about you, Georgia. Let me ask you this. Could you see yourself in several of these uh, other characters? Because there were so many characters uh, surrounding little Frankie. Could you see yourself or an amalgam of yourself in some of these characters, these supporting characters? Oh, most definitely. That's what's so great about this movie is the way the characters are drawn. Yeah. With so much depth. And I found myself really identifying with several of mm -hmm. these uh, the uh, kids in the class because yeah. the teacher has such hopes for them and she's so proud of them. And even she even says about Frank at one part, she loved him as much as her own son. But yet we see what happens in life. You know, you, you kind of, when you finish school, you have these hopes and dreams and aspirations. But when you get into the real life and the way things turn out are so very different. And that's how it was for me, too. You know, I mean, I, I kind of felt like I peaked and then I, I went through some 
years that were often disappointing. And so I looked at these characters and what happened to them. And I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You find yourself having at times to settle for a little less than what you wanted to and not and not go into the, your career didn't hope go exactly as you planned. Yes. And uh, I, I definitely saw myself in these characters. Oh, yes. yes. And and it's set in the 20s. Well, it starts when they're like and getting out of um grade school, like the class of 1923. And it goes into the current time, um, you know, that of, of when this movie was made. Um, and, and you know what else? And so Georgia, to what, to your point and what we always do is compare ourselves to other people. And these kids, you know, once they left their little small town, they all went to different parts, you know, and did all different things. Some people stay in the town and, you know, but you're always thinking my life is such crap. I, I bet so-and-so is doing, you know, the most and living it up because they were all, they had not seen themselves since they were in grade school. So all the the last images that they had of themselves was whatever their dreams and aspiration was or whatever they thought they were, these people were going to be like you know or whatever you may have projected onto them and some of them like van heflin's character yes he did go on to be an attorney his vocation comes into play with frank he winds up having to defend frankie um at, at some point in the movie being his defense attorney um for for I, I guess we could say for a murder charge, and I'm not going to get into. I want you to see the movie, the circumstances. Um, so he why so he did do that, but he was very green. Um, you know, so this was one of his first cases. So you know, he didn't have a lot of confidence. Then we have so this is in the backdrop, like I said, for those times, it's still the depression. Okay, is it's still going on, and you know. <laughs> We, I don't want to give too much away, Georgia, but so Stuart Irwin is always, he's, he's another seminal char character actor. He's in this movie. And I love when Stuart Irwin, you, those of you who, are, who know old movies, he usually plays in comedies, but he used to play, he played a really a lot of good drama, dramatic parts. So he's one of um, Frankie's, um, as an adult, uh, friends who, Georgia, it's the same old story. You lie down with dogs, you get up with fleas, but these are your friends because Frankie had nobody else. He had no one. So these guys who he probably should have cut loose soon as he could, those were his, that was his family, you know, quote, that was his support, you know, and it, and it happens all the time. Boy, that is so true. What a great insight you had about that. Um, you know, uh, Wallace Ford, you know, when you see him, he has this face is so perfect for acting yes. but, you know i was looking at his background and you know it was so much like the actual character that yes. he portrayed i was really yes. amazed because um even though he gives this beautifully nuanced subdued quiet gut-wrenching performance that and he's really outstanding in this movie i, I thought the guy deserved an academy he award did. nomination absolutely but, but, you know, I wondered that Ford was drawing on his own difficult upbringing because he, he, was, he was put into an orphanage by his own relatives. Mm -hmm. And then he was treated very, very badly by his adopted family. Yes. And Ford even says that, you know, by the age of 11, he was on his own. Mm -hmm. And so he's in many ways playing his, his own yes. story. Yes. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because I wanted to bring it up and I totally forgot. 
Um, if you again, if you want to go through a box of Kleenex, there's a documentary, and I haven't gotten the courage up enough to look at it, but I I know of of the subject about orphan trains. So back in the days, um, like around the turn of the century, you know, late 1800s, going into the 1900s, the United States used to put orphans on trains. So it really was child trafficking, human trafficking. The kid, I'm going to say this, and some of you might already know this, but it sounds like I'm making it up, but no. The, the street urchins, the kids that had no parents or not connecting about, they would put them on trains and shuffle them back and forth. People would come to the trains like they were cattle, like you were buying cattle and pick out kids. And Wallace Ford, his, his name is not even Wallace Ford. That is one of his friends who, I, either little boy, a fellow orphan who either got killed or he doesn't know what happened to him, but he took his name. And, and, and that's how he wound up with th that family, that adoptive family, it was a farm, and you're right, Joe. They treated him like crap. It was free child labor, like my like slavery after slavery ended. It was a new type of slavery, and can I just cannot believe? And I've, I I learned about this fairly recently, and I had I'm like, why did I had I never heard about this? So this is another thing, another dark period in America's history that just gets totally swept under the rug to focus on other things. That yeah, true enough, horrible. But this is horrible as well because you had a post-slavery, official slavery period, but yet you still had child human trafficking labor. So that was Wallace Ford background. So Georgia, thank you for bringing that up because that's exactly so. He was p playing himself, at, and he totally deserved an Oscar nomination because he played every range of emotion in this movie. And we're kind of getting away from the plot. Um, so he gets out of one of several jails, still with his crew. He knows he needs to get away from these knuckleheads, but it is what it is. Runs into the girlfriend from um Carol, from his little childhood sweetheart, and runs into her. They reconnect. Now, tell me what you were thinking at that part of the movie, Georgia, when he reconnects with Carol. I had such hopes at that point because you could tell this was such a good-hearted, kind girl. And um, she had like some kind of an empathy or I felt some kind of a bond or connection between the two that started in their childhood. And so when they linked up again as adults, I was so hopeful and optimistic. And, you know, that's just hopeless romantic in me that I really <laughs> was hoping that they would that somehow the two of them would join together and navigate their way through life, through all the tough times and all that. And, and so, I, but I really, really loved her character. I couldn't yes. help but the way she stood by him and supported him. And she, well, I have to say, I thought she had a gorgeous singing voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'd never heard of this actress before now um yeah, her name either. is uh, patricia ellis who played uh, the role of carol evans but i really liked her and i thought that they drew this character uh very well actually um i, I thought that she had a lot of depth to her and she just wasn't a one-dimensional character right yeah like sometimes the girlfriend could be 
uh, back in those days. This movie was so, I, I just can't believe it's so obscure. It was so perfectly fleshed out. There's not, I didn't find it, guys, if you find some trivia on it, I didn't find a whole lot of trivia on it. Um, please let us know at our Facebook Facebook page, How Betty Davis Saved uh, My Life. Let us know. But yeah, there's not a lot, a lot on it. I mean, this is such a sleeper, just perfect film that captures the zeitgeist uh, of hard times during the depression and what happens when your home life, you don't have a strong home foundation. And it's not about being poor. It is about poor parenting or, or non-existent parenting. And, you know, mom was doing the best she could, like Georgia said, but she was just so beat down and sucked the life out of her with, you know, with the alcoholic, uh, abusive, um, father and that's just life that transcends color race background that when you have that type of childhood going on it is so hard to overcome and what i like about wallace ford playing frankie rogers he wanted to be a better person he wanted but he just did not have the tools and you can see him trying to get back to his town back to his teacher so that was like um a device in the movie because uh miss williams Ellie McMahon character she was uh got retired by uh the so George I want to chime in got retired by the powers that be in the town mainly one the um the big fish in the little pond the banker <laughs> who was who was I'm not gonna say the villain in the movie but um you know just he he kind of represented I think for that time the bad guy, so to speak, because he was the banker, and we all know what the, the 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 depression was about. You know, banks, you know, and the government playing. He so he represented the two evils of the time: the banks and the government playing funny with people' money, causing people's just lives to collapse. Sounds familiar. Um, and so ain't how you say ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing under the sun, as the Bible said. Um, and you know. It was so easy to vilify him, but getting towards the end of the movie, like you said, that speech at the end and how Carol, um, Carol had to calm Frankie down when they, when they reconnected, talking about hate. What did you think about that theme of hating that was in the movie that was touched on, Georgia, about the power of hate? You know, I thought there was just wisdom in it because I like the message or the theme of this movie about forgiveness and not hate. And in spite of all of the injustice that was done to Frankie, yes. um, that he, and, and the way, you know, that it came full circle because it started with Carol when she was younger and she told him, you know, not to hate. And then again, at the very end, she's the one who feels like she wants to hate, but then it's Frankie who reminds her, no, it's, and I thought it was beautiful, but you know, the justice system is very different today than it was back then when it was portrayed in this movie. It's yes. not, not any, you wouldn't recognize it. It's not like it is now. Right. They were overly, I think they were just, they were extremely, extremely punitive. Mm -hmm. And today we're so much more lenient yes. about everything. And, and I have to say that, um, because uh, of uh, the theme of this movie, I am dressed in keeping with. I am wearing prison stripes right now. <laughs> yes, she is. She's wearing tan and white prison stripes, and I was like, I didn't know whether to laugh or say, "Georgia, that's a shame." 
our boy Frankie. Don't do our boy Frankie like that. Yeah, I thought, yeah, he didn't deserve it, man. He got such a bad. Rap. He got hosed. Oh this poor boy got a hose, man. It was so sad. Oh my gosh. Um, it was. Hey, it's a hard knock life. <laughs> you know what? <sighs> Look, I don't care. You know, I don't think I'm gonna ruffle too many feathers. But I thank you, Jesus. I live in America, cause and you and I live in this period, and um, because you're right, Georgia. Back then in those times, honey. I, you to me look like you were more proven guilty than innocent, you know, and you didn't have all these programs to cut down on recidivism. You didn't have the awareness. We didn't know about trauma, childhood trauma, uh, bad. Uh, you didn't have the awareness. And you're right. It's so it's and people don't want to believe that. But you go back and look at these movies and go back and read old articles and and about the criminal justice systems and people how you know people want to uh you know. Uh, be against the police, blah, blah, blah. The police today, compared to back then, look like the lollipop guild. Because the police back then, they did some things to you. They was going to get a confession out of you, okay? So, and that and that ain't, that that was real. So there was a lot of reforms. And yes, do we still can do more to, to do better? Of course, we, we always should try to do better by our fellow human beings. But Back then, if you if you didn't have that foundation and you didn't have some core people supporting you, you were screwed back then. You were on your freaking own. And and especially as a child, poor Frankie. And poor Frank the Frankies of the world <laughs> nowadays. There there are the Frankies of the world nowadays. Even though it's a little bit better, you can try to get a little bit more help. But there's still these people out here on their own just dangling in life. And I wish they would reach out to a church or, um, you know, find some, something positive on a group online or, or something like, you know, there's a lot more help, but unfortunately, George, there's still a lot of Frank is in the world out here. Sad, but true. Yeah. For a number of reasons. And it shows that if you have somebody who, an adult who can mentor you and believe in yes. you, that you just might have a fighting chance. Yes. Yes. And I, I think, Going back to the movie with him and Carol, I, I whilst I was looking at it, I kind of didn't fall for like, oh boy, they're gonna get together, and because I just didn't think the movie had that type of vibe going on. But um, mm -hmm. you know, I I, <clears throat> I think, but I, but I, I I'm glad the movie didn't let us off the hook because had this movie, and see that's why you know I love film noir. This is all this movie is like film noirish before film noir. <laughs> It really is a, a pre-film noir. Um, but Frankie kind of alluded why it wasn't gonna was not gonna happen between him and Carol because he had nothing. And Carol, she was still struggling trying to make it because she thought she was gonna be this big singer and Broadway star, and she worked in a burlesque house, you know, singing, and which was, you know, nothing and, and you know wrong with but today, I guess today she'd be, even though that she didn't take her clothes off. But let's, you know, maybe she'd be a stripper nowadays or equivalent or something like that, you know. Um, but Frankie, I have nothing. And he, to his credit, I, what I loved about this character, he did not feel sorry for himself. He didn't blame anybody, so to speak. So let's fast forward when he goes back to to the hometown. He finally makes it back to the hometown. Um, and he 
this was another scene. What did you think about the scene? I was, I, I for one was shocked when I first saw this movie. When he goes back to his home, what's the old saying? He can never go back home. And who's in, mom's not in the house, mom's dead. But who's in the house, Georgia, in their own, in his old house? There was a black family living in his house. Yes. yes. Yeah, and she and she tells him that his mother had been she'd been taken to uh, an asylum, mm. or, or and she and I believe she died and how the father died. So he learns from stranger about his parents. You know, like they're gone, mm-hmm. and it's just it's very it's just so. huge and of course these people are just so so sweet the woman says you know i'll put you up for the night and he's talking to the kids and she finds out that the son has gone on to be a porter and asks the uh, other young boy there do you want to grow up and be a porter too and but the woman is just so full of understanding yes and I was very touched and very moved. And this woman gives a beautiful, very, uh, uh, what a performance she gives, full of heart. And it, oh, my God. I cannot find a credit for her at all. And maybe um, if somebody knows it, let me see it. But what I liked about this was just so rare in Hollywood, was shocked me. They showed black people being better off than a white person, which was so rare for Hollywood at that time. And and, and if you ever kind of really saw it, and it was contextual, yes, it was contextual. And you saw him being respectful to that woman. And you also saw her saying, no, my son is a man now because they were schoolmates. Those These kids went to school together. So he said, oh, no, my, um, oh, 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 either they played together. I don't know if they went to the same school, but they knew each other, you know. And he said, and for her to say that in this movie, she said, oh, no, my son's a man now. There, there was no boy. Oh, no. He didn't say, oh, where's your boy? She said, and, and to have that line in that movie at this point in time in Hollywood, this, and, and this was way after, uh, you know, this was post-code. But for that level of respect for that particular time in Hollywood was so rare. You rarely saw that in these type of movies in that time. And for, for him to respect her, for her to uh, show that that level of respect for her son, who wasn't even in a film, for the black a black man to be respected. And the father... He was not in the scene, but it was obviously this was a family that had a father and a mother. They juxtaposed Frankie's upbringing to this black family who had no, who the civil rights and the federal government of that time said were less than, but showed these people in a position of respect and being better than this white guy. I was shocked. I said, how did this movie get made? I know it's it's really in, that scene is endlessly fascinating. You just want to watch it again and again. But you know, and it's played with so much heart and compassion yes. on both sides, which which really blew me away. Absolutely, it's very beautiful. It's beautiful. The acting is amazingly good. Yes, this movie was written by uh, William K. Howard. He wrote the story. I I don't know who he is, unfortunately. 
John Bright and Robert Tasker, uh, directed by William K. Howard. I don't know a lot about these people. Um, and if you do, again, hit us up on Facebook. And we're kind of running out of time. We want to fast forward to the end. We're not going to give it away. I'm not going to say anything about the ending because it is very powerful. He does make it back to the quote-unquote reunion for Miss um, for their teacher. And it it uh, is bittersweet. And that's all I'm going to say. Georgia, I'm going to give you the last word. I know you're like, wait a minute. What, what happened? No, you go and watch Backdoor to Heaven, uh, 1939. And then you can come back on Facebook and tell us what you think. But Georgia, it was bittersweet. And I love how they did not, they, you knew what happened to Frankie, but they didn't show it to you, which was even more intriguing. Georgia, I'm going to give you the last word. Well, I think the ending is our hero's back door to heaven. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's the way I interpret it. Yes, um, but yes, I also want to say that the, the thing about this movie and what you said earlier about William K. Howard, the director, is that uh, it was a, such a rare thing in Hollywood for a director to make the movie completely on his own terms, including he directed it, he casted it, and he even wrote the original story for it. So I think mm -hmm. a lot of this is due to William K. Howard. Right. And maybe that's why we don't know a lot about him, because <laughs> he, 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 he did not follow the Hollywood uh, formula. With this one, this movie, mm -hmm. this movie can be played today, like I said, just... If just put in color and change the clothes it rings home unfortunately it still rings home so we pray for all the frankie rogers out there get some help go to a church go find a, a group of of people who who are positive get away from that ignorance and I know it's, it's going to be hard because that's your boys and they, they, they seem like they were with you and that's your ride or die but they're taking you down a wrong path and you will not survive it. Go find something positive and just hang on in there, hang on in there. And I just pray for all the Frankie Riders of the world. Hang on in there. And, and if I meet you, I, I might might bit up the black lady. I am that black mama. I, I got love for you. I do. I really do. Georgia, anything else before we get out of here? Perfect ending, Moya. <laughs> I don't have anything. That was so perfect. I couldn't improve on that. Well, guys, we will see you next time. What's our next movie, Georgia? Casablanca. Yeah, totally switching gears. Casablanca, guys, coming up next time on How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. You take care, guys. Looking forward to next time. Yeah.